the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi there, and welcome to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Well, last time we were together, we began our look at a message called Arise, Move, and Go, and God Took Him. It is a look at the life of Enoch. Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 6. We took a look at the definition of faith as it emerges out of our subject that we're discussing. We also started off with an understanding that our hope is not in the rapture, but in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is where we focus our attention once again today as we continue our survey of our series, Rise, Move, and Go, Hebrews chapter 11. Once again, here's Pastor Jesse with today's program. Here we are. I think Enoch learned the lesson because what we're dealing with is a quintinium, uh, a quintet um, of 10. We're dealing with a uh, centennial of 10s in the sense that you go from Adam to Noah. And by the time we get to Enoch, he's the what from Adam? The seventh. Didn't y'all learn that? Jude chapter one, verse 14. I want you to get it because I don't want to stay here long, but I'm trying to help you understand how to listen to God's story because God's just, he's telling us a story. It's a great thing when you got a daddy that knows how to tell stories. Isn't that right? Listen to it. And Enoch also the what from Adam? Now, when you read Genesis 5 and you start with Adam and you go from Adam to Seth and you go from Seth to Enosh and you go from Enosh to Cain, from Cain to Mahaliel, from Mahaliel, to one more brother, I forget his name, but then you got Enoch. He's the seventh. And then after Enoch comes Methuselah, and after Methuselah comes Lamech, and after Lamech comes Noah. Ten generations. And the only person God lifts up out of the ten first is Enoch. Now that whole line is called a godly line. But I told you last week, God's not talking to us about what they did. All he wants us to know is when you're part of the godly nine, it's not as much as what you did, but who you are. Because that's going to play a major role in your choice making. So this is why God raises Enoch up, the third from Noah, in order for us to understand something about a spiritual genealogy headed towards a crisis. The crisis that Enoch is dealing with in his testimonial life, because Hebrews 11 verse 6 tells us, and before God took him, he left this what? Testimony, testimony, testimony. Before God took Enoch, he left us a what? Testimony. That's my point here today. God has left you and I here for a testimony. Your life is called to be a testimony. 
You're not here wandering around. You're not meandering. You're not aimless. You're not useless. Your life is here as a testimony. And may I say this as I drill down. If you want to be taken by God, you must first have a testimony of God if you want to enjoy him taking you. He's only taking testimonial people. That's the nature of faith. I want us to work through that. I want us to work through that. Enoch is the seventh from Adam. That means he's up close on a cataclysmic judgment that's going to be worldwide, isn't it? We believe that there was a major worldwide flood that wiped out humanity in the pre-diluvian period of Noah's day. We really do believe that. We really believe that the land masses of our world are shaped in the, in the way in which they are with the waters of the major seven seas as a consequence of a major shifting geologically all around the world. We really believe that the Bible is telling us the truth. We really believe before the flood that the land mass did not have all these bodies of water because we have read Genesis 7 through Genesis 9 and God has explained the waters coming down and the grounds breaking up and the floods rending forth and the oceans dividing the nations. We really do believe that, but I'm not here to talk about that because a lot of people get lost in a lot of uh, peripheral things and they don't really get the heart of the matter. Enoch is a lesson to you and me about how we should be walking with God. And when we're walking with God, there is a requisite blessing that comes with walking with God. That means that God, anytime he wants to, can take you to be with himself. Does that make some sense? Right. So it's important for you to know Enoch is not fundamentally about escaping a judgment. It's about walking with God and so pleasing God by the way you walk that God rather have you with him than them. I'm going to see if I can make that plain here in a moment. It's so very important to get. So under point number one, as we have been dealing with coming to God by faith, I am really talking about worship. I'm really talking about worship. We looked at Hebrews chapter 7, verse 17. I think we looked at verse 18. I want to see verse 19, Hebrews 17, Hebrews 7, verse 19. I just want to see it. Then I want to move to two more portions. Woo! Woo! There it is. Help me. For the, for the law made nothing perfect. Now, this makes sense to the Hebrews who are exacerbated by trying to keep the law and constantly failing. The law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better what? That's the word. And the hope here is not the rapture. The hope is Jesus, the Christ, the mediator between God and man. He's the one man between all men that by his resurrection granted hope to all of us by faith in him. Am I making some sense? Very important for you to get this. The law did not bring hope. It only brought a curse. Its job was to drive you to Jesus. That's what its job was, to convince you that you are a sinner and your sacrifices will never work. But we have a solution to your brokenness. It's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That's what the Hebrew writer is saying. Now watch this. A better hope, which is a person, right? Please hear me now. By the which we draw nigh to God. 
Do you see the line? That is exactly the same idea as coming to God. It's coming to God. And I love this translation because this translation actually gets into the grammar back in Hebrews 11, verse 6. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says, the one that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When we're talking about coming to God by faith, we're talking about it being summed up in a habit of worship. I want you to get what I'm about to say now. The one that comes to God by faith demonstrates to himself, to God, and to the world that he or she and they know that God is to be worshipped. The one that comes by faith doesn't play games with worship. You meet a lot of professing Christians say they know God and love God and don't worship him. May I say you do not know him. If you don't worship him, I just want you to lay that down. Now we're going to meet God in a little while. And when you tell me that you you can worship is a negotiable thing, you don't know God. You don't know God. When a man or a woman meets God, your life changes at the heart level. You can't read anywhere in the Bible where men and women took God serious. And didn't take his worship serious. You won't meet it anywhere. Here today, you got all kind of folks who call themselves Christians. Am I telling the truth? They don't read their Bible. They don't darken the doors of the church. They're not committed to what I'm getting ready to talk to you about now. Coming to God is a continual thing. It's in the present. Participle. This is grammar. I'm sorry. That might blow you away. Middle voice. And what it means is when you are coming to God and you are coming present tense, it's because God is drawing you to him. That's John six thirty seven. No one ever comes to God unless they are drawn to God. I just want you to capture this. You don't come to God on your own strength. You come to him because he compels you. Now, when you come, you don't come against your will, but you don't come just by your will. Some of you listening to my voice know this. You know you said you were coming to God and you still haven't come to God because you can't come until you're helped. And when it comes to worship, Worship is something that God's people do continuously. In fact, the posture and pattern and practice of worship is something God's people would rather do than anything else. We got to tolerate working and paying the bills and going hither and going yon. For the believer who understands the worship of God, the safest place to be is in a posture of worship. Because the believer was made for it. I'm made to worship God. I'm made to worship God. Three characteristics proceeding out of it. You may have these for free. The first one is a sense. 
The first one is a sense, S-E-N-S-E. It's a sense. Worship is intuitive. Worship is a disposition of the emotional, psychological transformation. And here's what I'm getting at. People will sense that you're committed to God as a worshiper. They'll sense it. Then worship is a sound. Because see, what I'm talking about right now, ladies and gentlemen, is a testimony. This is the testimony of our brother Enoch. Worship is a sound. Worship is what comes out of my mouth. When somebody is in my presence long enough to realize that I am absolutely in love with God. It's a sound. Out of the abundance of the heart doth the mouth speak. Give me a few minutes and I'm going to change your conversation from basketball to heaven. If I have my way. I'll go the long route with you. I study a lot of things. Interesting. But I want to know how they got there, who brought them there, and how does it glorify God? Worship is a sense. It's something deep inside the real believer, and everyone that does not worship God picks up on it on you. Here's what they pick up on. That you're not committed to them. This is why a believer is the most dangerous person on the planet. See, governments and legislators and entities and institutions, they all want to claim you as their slave. And then they meet a man or a woman who signs the contract to work for them, but you put conditions on it. Because you swear to them you're not their slave. You don't own me. You don't scare me. I will work for you under these conditions. I am a child of the living God. I will worship my God who gives me life, breath, and everything. And I'll put my time in, but I am not selling my soul to you, the devil, or anyone else. I'm teaching you something about coming to God. When you meet people that are coming to God, you can sense it. They may be gifted and skilled and they may be sociable and kind and they will hang out with you and engage you because we're missional. We want you to get the sense we got. But we ain't hanging out with you that long. Have you noticed like real serious people with God give you about five minutes and then they go? Have you ever noticed that? Well, we getting ready to go here and go there. Sorry, can't go here and go there. That's what devils do. They go here and they go there. And the serpent ran to and fro throughout the earth. No, I'm, I'm alive on purpose. I'm not just going here and there. I'm not free to go here and there. God tells me to arise, move, and go, and he gives me the destiny. We'll learn this with Abraham. We don't just go where we want to go, do what we want to do, meander and waste our time. I'm on assignment like Jesus said. I came not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. See, this was the thing that scared to death 
the Jews because Jesus was a man running up and down north and south in Palestine and they couldn't control him. He went up north, all kind of people followed him. He came down south, all kind of people followed him. And he wasn't running around chasing down the Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodians or any of them because he was a man on purpose. I would say that Jesus is the ultimate and greater Enoch. Y'all keeping up with me. When a man or a woman knows their purpose, they don't let their own heart compromise their priority with God. So when you are coming to God, pull up 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. When you're coming to God, there is a sense of absolute internal commitment to God that regulates everything that comes your way. And there's a sound that comes out of your mouth that gives reason to explain to people why you don't continue in the same riotousness and foolishness you did B.C. I don't mind telling you how much of a fool I was before God drew me to himself. Peter lets us know when you and I are coming to God, we learn how to let stuff go. He got five qualities of a born again believer. Wherefore, laying aside all malice. That's how we were when we were unsaved. Full of it, weren't we? Yeah, do the work. Do the work on malice. Malice is like a disease of the mind. Where every good thing you corrupt, simply because it don't focus on you, doesn't give you pleasure, you're not the center of it, so your mouth opens up and pours out all kind of contaminating references upon it. That's called malice. And all guile. Guile is an impure heart. That's the way we were when we were unsaved. That's what Paul said to the church in Titus, to the pure, all things are pure. To the undefiled, ain't nothing pure. An undefiled heart finds a way to corrupt everything. You know it too. You can hear it in conversation. Am I making some sense? When you hear people who don't know God and you're talking about something neutral, they find a way to corrupt it. You got to hose the thing off with the word of God now. You just, if you're going to still talk, you got to hose it down. Back up and hose it down. Because when we're unsaved, we love wallowing in vomit and hypocrisies. What a huge, again, adumbration that characterizes our world today. Hypocrisy. You know what hypocrisy is in its fundamental effect? It's the fact that when you listen to your friends and your constituents and even your own family members open their mouth and talk, when their lips move, you know they lie. This is a tacit understanding. Listen to me, it's a tacit understanding. It's tacit, meaning we know that there's a high probability that what they're saying is not true and that they're not doing what they say. Because that's what we do when we sow fig leaves instead of being clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And we get used to hypocrisy, don't we? You know, you walk right out of that comment and say, that girl don't mean that no more than she than the man on the moon. I am not paying her no attention. I'm not paying him no attention. I know they lying. And you sat there and you endured it because it was not your mission or you weren't compelled to start a conversation when you cut the lights on. Because you know what happens when you cut the lights on. Now we got to deal with arguments and debates, right? Don't judge me. 
Keep up with me. Keep up with me, child of God. When you're truly born again, you are a mobile tabernacle. You are a moving temple. You are a moving motion worship center. Wherever you go, you are plausibly committed to starting worship. And the one thing we know is this world does not want the one true and living God. So most of the day you're doing worship with God all by yourself. Is that true, saints? Most of the day you're doing worship with God all by yourself. And, and you know, when you reach my age, we don't mind doing worship with God all by ourselves. Come on, somebody. I don't mind worshiping God all by myself. And apparently this was true with Enoch as well. Apparently. Listen to what Peter says, verse 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may do what? There it is. This is why I know most people professing to be Christians are not. They do not have a hunger for God's word. See, when you have a hunger for God's word, it's a sense. It's a sound. Did that make some sense? It's a sense. It's a sound. When you have a hunger for God's word, it's going to dictate your choices. Where you go. And what you do, how you talk, who you engage with is going to dictate that. Worshippers are living testimonies. Would you agree with that? This is why the Hebrew writer said before God took him, he left this witness. So the true worshiper is driven by an internal compelling, a sense of devotion to God. That's what religion is. It's called an allegiance, an allegiance. Religion is being bound to, tied to, an allegiance to. And no one can untie that tie when you know God like Jesus knew him, like Paul knew him, like the apostles knew him, like Enoch knew him. True religion is being bound to God in your soul. It's a sense, it's a sound, and it's a sight, is it not? Right. True believers are not secret agents that nobody knows. <laughs> Mr. Smith died, we come to his funeral and then find out he went to church. But he didn't come to Christ. And so everybody in the audience said, I didn't know he was a Christian. He's a Christian. Well, yeah, he signed the church pews. He signed the church documents like 750 years ago. But he hadn't been to church in 745 years. So when he died, now we got to go through the malice and hypocrisy and guile of pretending he was saved. Now we're lying on God at the funeral. This is why most people don't get saved in in funerals. This is why most people, ma'am, don't get saved in funerals. This is why most people don't get saved in funerals. Because we are more hypocrites at the funeral than we are anywhere else. This is why most people don't get saved in your funerals. They cry big old crocodile tears. But they're not tears attached to repentance. It's hypocrisy. 
The best thing you can do is get a preacher to just come in there, flat out open the book and preach from Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Start right there. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Start right there. That's the reason we're here, because of death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and unpack the person and work of Christ and say to the living, one day you'll be here too. And we will ask the question in our own mind, who took you, the devil or God? And on that note, we will close out today's broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand, the ministry of Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. If you have questions about our broadcast, maybe you would like to spend some time with us worshiping the Lord. We would love to see you. You can get all of that information and reach out to us through our website at grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Listen to past sermons as well as guest preachers. Again, at our website, grace-bible.com. We'll even let you have any of the notes, sermon notes that are available from these sermons as well. Again, there's an awful lot of resource material available at our website, grace-bible.com. If you'd like to reach out to us by phone, our number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. Sunday services here at the church are at 1030. Friday evening Bible study is at 6.30, Tuesday prayer and Bible study again at 6.30, directions and information again at our website grace-bible.com or by calling 510-886-9782. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with this ministry as we reach out to the Bay Area and the world (laughs) on the World Wide Web? We do so because we are linking arms with other listeners such as yourself. This is a listener-supported ministry. Your gifts, no matter the size and no matter the volume, are great help as we continue this ministry called Way of Grace. Consider that as you reach out to us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.